Bruce here. Welcome to the Better Each Day podcast radio show. Today's guest, Havila Rand, began her music career at the age of six when she began composing songs on an old piano given to her family by some friends. She was heavily influenced early on by James Taylor, Carol King, Joni Mitchell, the Rolling Stones. Originally from Connecticut, Havila currently lives in Bellingham, Washington, and is working on her own project, the Live Song Project. Now, the process of this program entails meeting with people approximately 75 years of age or older for an hour or so to introduce the project and begin collecting any stories they're willing to share. Then, Havilland spends a few weeks of her own writing the basic idea and structure of the song. In a second meeting, they check out and edit the song together. And finally, Havilland records the song, provides the collaborator with a CD, and credits the collaborator, the subject of the song, as the co-writer. Cool idea. Please welcome Haviland Rand. Yeah, now I have a, I have a website, thelifesongproject.com, just got finished a few days ago, and it's growing really slowly, but it's growing, and I'm really excited about it. So, That's a great idea, because there mm-hmm. will always be people over 80. And, you know, everybody has a story. That's another thing I got from this podcast. It's amazing. Um, some good, some bad. Yeah. But, but everybody, but they're so used to living with it all the time that to them it's nothing. Yeah. But if you ask them and you just find this right, I don't know, planets align just right, they glow. They just take off. And yeah, yeah. I don't interview people. I just ask them, hey, what's the first concert you went to? And people couldn't talk for an hour, you know. <laughs> So right. I agree. Exactly. It's exactly. Yeah. But uh, Pepsi Cola Girl, that's an interesting one. And I really didn't know that you were writing about, you know, based on older people's stories and stuff. And I listened to it. And, and uh, same with Olivia. You're talking about years and times mm-hmm. in World War II and things like that. And uh, I, I'm glad I found out that what you were, where you were getting your information because you're, you're a little too young for that. <laughs> Right. No, no. Yeah. It's really, it's, yeah. Just as you just said, it doesn't, I, when I had the idea, I didn't know what I was doing. I just, uh, you know, and so I had some questions, but it only, it only takes a question or two. And then, you know, this whole story unravels and with somebody that's in their nineties, which Olivia is, um, they're talking about their parents coming from Portugal and then their dad being a, cattle and you know a rancher and growing cotton and uh, living in california and she goes off when she's 17 and i mean on and on it's just like oh my god this could be a movie so i played a little 30 minute concert and then um and so i didn't even have an appointment with this guy but he he came up to me and i guess he had a stroke uh, recently. And that's why he was there. Um, and he just, you know, was one of these people that just wanted to talk and, um, he had been a music, he saw my guitar and he'd been a musician. Um, so he was asking me about my guitar and then he just started, he started talking and he's telling me about his wife who was, um, a Pepsi Cola girl and she was really beautiful. And it's funny cause when he was, it's a sad song, but when he was telling me, the story, it was very matter of fact and he was kind of goofy and, 
Um, and, but, but as he's telling me, I'm like, what? Like she was, she died when she was 32 and you know, she was this gorgeous woman and she never worked, but he obviously adored her. Um, you know, she had some modeling jobs and, and, uh, and so I just listened to him and then I went home and it was just so easy to write. That was the easiest song to write. It was weird. It was just one of those songs that came out in like 20 minutes. And, um, and it was, what was really neat too, is that I, uh, you know, it almost doesn't sound real sometimes coming from the person. He was a NASA scientist. He was a, a musician. He lived all over. And, and so, and he was just so funny when I talked to him. She was a Pepsi Cola girl. 61 and 62 And she lit up my whole world Till she died 32 And she'd spend all my money On rubies and red wine And she'd smile and call me honey I was blessed to call her Sad songs in the world 
And then I went to an interview Olivia a couple years later, and her husband is also in that same home, but he shared. So, so it turned out that Bob, her husband, shared a room with Bill, the guy that had told me about Pepsi Cola Girl. And um, and I said, really? I said I wrote a song with Bill. And he told me about his wife, who was a Pepsi Cola girl. And I was, oh yeah, there's a picture right here. And I go over to the other side of the room, and there's a picture of his wife as the Pepsi Cola girl. And then there's the picture of the boat that he talked about. And there's the picture. Of, it's just, it was so exciting for me, like because I hadn't asked for you know any pictures or follow up, and and there it all was. Oh, that's exciting. The boat, um, the boat I left in Jersey. Is that the boat we speak of? Yeah, yeah. He told me about a boat that they'd, but you know, she died so early that they didn't end up using the house or the boat. Or so it was really, it was a really uh, sad okay. song. But I love these backstories because now now it makes a lot of sense. I was wondering yeah. why why they didn't need the house. What is a Pepsi Cola girl? Was she a model? I mean, you said she was a model. Yeah, but, I think but that's they were it, like. Yeah, it was like a. There was um. Wasn't there coat? Was there Coca-Cola girl? Oh, I, those guys were the masters there, of advertising. I'm sure there was. They invented advertising. Yeah. It was just a thing that maybe they showed up at different events, the Pepsi-Cola girls. I had never heard heard of it, but he told me all about it, and there was the picture. And Here's another life song project called Olivia. My mother and my father were 9 and 14 years When they came to Massachusetts from the Portuguese islands With nothing but an address Hanging from a string around her neck If you aren't on your own by 18 years The priest will send you back You take care of the babies And you take care of the whole Gather milk and cotton for a quilt to keep you warm the Midwest to California, four kids and three stillborn. My brother's arms delivered me into this world early and so small. To Laurie, everyone is welcome. To Laurie, of the cattle and the cotton, share the bounty. Every neighbor, we are a family. My daddy spoke four languages, sold the cows and leased the land. I felt the shuckers shook their heads while I tossed marbles in the sand. I stayed with Sister Mary, taking care of babies in the home. When World War II erupted, I was 17 and on my own. To Laurie, everyone is welcome. To Laurie, the cattle and the cotton. Share the bounty, every color, every neighbor. Two military marriages, battleships, and a purple heart. When the love grew cold, I carried on with my four children 
for a fresh start made my way to Fresno I took all that God would give I bought my own house and retired That's when I met him He said, will you dance with me? Come on, come on, I said, you can call, but I crazy time we're going through <laughs> man oh it's a it's a it's insane it is absolutely <laughs> I, I mean i literally read about locusts the other day <laughs> yeah, I, heard I know about that's what i'm thinking and how asia and there all of a sudden there's too many locusts and yeah. they're going to eat all the food and there's murder hornets and there's murder hornets rioting and there yeah. i mean it's just a pandemic like what what more like could happen? Oh, I know, I know. I feel like I, I want to talk to, to the leaders of the bugs, you know, the murder hornets, and all those guys. And say, you guys, you released at the wrong time. I mean, you're you're not top billed. We we got a <laughs> pandemic here. We we've got protests. We've got all we need is a couple more earthquakes and a tidal wave and an asteroid, and we'll be good to go. <laughs> Right. End of the world. Oh, yeah, well, we know it. Trump will fix everything. I'm confident. Oh, yeah. He'll make it great again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the comedy relief. It's, it is. It's like, make America great again. Wow. Four years later. <laughs> I, I have a hard time having anybody talk to me like I'm stupid. That's my first problem with him. Oh, yeah. To write a monologue for your talk show, your late-night talk show, is easy. You don't have to change anything. Just quote everything. Right. Do you ever write on that vein, like protest songs or uh, just State of the Union songs? No, I don't. I've ne the, You know, the Life Song Project was difficult for me, or a challenge for me, um, or I thought it would be, because I don't write very literally, usually. I don't write like story, like a story, like those songs are, I write, yeah. I guess just more metaphorically and poetically. It's hard for me to, um, to write in that way where it's literal and, you know, then it has the right kind of rhyming and phrasing to make it memorable. And I bet I could, if I sat down and tried and it definitely is motivating with everything that's happening right now to try that because there's a lot to be said. And, 
it's definitely not, not time to just sit back and, and be quiet and watch. It's, I think that's maybe what sets it apart from other times in history when we're dealing with, um, racism and prejudice and these civil rights, um, issues is I think people are realizing, especially white people, how personally you have to take this. Like it's just not, it's not something you can just post on social media and go to a protest and have a few conversations and then let it go. Cause obviously that hasn't worked. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I think that's really important but I'm not good at it. <laughs> what you're doing, though, and this is this is my own little opinion, is writing about other people's pasts and how they got through it. And it's always been the same. I mean, mm-hmm. things gradually get better. We've made some advances in uh, uh, homosexuality, marriage, marriages, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, when things move along slowly, the racial thing to me <clears throat> is like... Uh, putting braces on but once you take them off the teeth kind of start moving back to where they were so you kind of have to put them oh, back right, on right. every day you know it's, yeah. it's, it's like doing uh, crunches yeah. or sit-ups or something yeah you, you kind of have to stay on it or, or things they don't stay changed so, right right and if elected i promise you heads will roll and but yeah <laughs> yeah I, I protest songs i guess come in different shapes and forms so what you're doing really isn't a protest it's a uh, Here's how I did it. Here's how I got through it. And uh, times were always tough, and they're tough all over. Yeah, I mean that's what it's funny talking to my talking to my parents about it because they, you know, my mom's like, yeah, like it's really crazy right now, but at the same time, you know, you know, thirty or forty years ago, there, you know, Martin Luther King got shot. You know, JFK. I mean, there was there's like you're saying there's always been you know, tumultuous events. It's not, it's never just been stagnant and like everything's great for 50 years. It's, you know, it's a constant upheaval and chaos and in some way. And then there's the, then there's this, the moving forward and the successes and then, yeah, the steps back. And, um, so it is, you kind of have to step back and realize this is just part this is humanity. You know, this is, and you're just a songwriter, but that means a lot. You can say a lot in, in a song, and people listen to them, and, and it connects a lot more so than standing up in front of the crowd and yelling on a microphone, I think. I hope. That's my hope. And I hope that I can, the greater vision for that project is to incorporate other, include other songwriters, and also make sh- and also have like a, a compilation of songs maybe every year. Um, from pe- people from all, you know, all walks of life, all colors, all gender and sexual orientation, all economic background, so that it is kind of this picture, this kind of, you know, colorful, diverse picture of America, of American voices. Um, so, yeah, that's my hope is that that's my contribution to allowing more voices to be heard. That That's what makes an album album to me is it is somewhat of a compilation of other people your musical family and uh, you know it, mm-hmm. and that that's what ties it together in the way that a photo album does wouldn't it be cool if you had photos to go with all this stuff though we're, we're so downloaded yeah, and I, streaming and everything that you know how do you do that and and have so somebody can put it in their lap in their living room you know 
vinyl. Right, right. I know. I, that's That would be super cool to have. The website is what I'm hoping will kind of be the hub. Yeah. Like right now I have three songs that have a picture of each of the people that it, the song is written about um, with the lyrics and then a link to the song. So that would be, again, like that would, there would be a website, the Life Song Project, where all of the songs would be housed along with, you know, pictures and lyrics and maybe parts of the narrative. I'm sorry about what you just heard there. That was a, a sound effect I have on my recording. I didn't hear it. Oh, didn't you? Good. No. <laughs> I'm not like the techiest guy on the planet. I'm learning, though. You, you kind of have to. <laughs> I'm 64 years old. I think I might know more about digital recording than a lot of 64-year-olds. But I bet you do. My My parents wouldn't be able to. Uh, getting my mom to be able to watch me on Facebook Live has been oh yeah the bane of my existence the last four months. And then I can't figure it out. What I know. And, and then this barrier goes up, and I don't want to because it's a pain in the butt. I just don't care. Blah blah blah. You know, we used to just go to the show mm -hmm. when I was a kid. You know, I can't you just do that anymore. All right, all right. Did you have any bookings? Right. You, any bookings you had to cancel or anything when the pandemic hit? Oh God, I had um, I had spent about six months putting together. <laughs> March and April, I was going to be on the road and I had songwriting workshops and all, I mean, I had, was really proud of myself. I had two months solid of travels and, um, shows and workshops booked and everything got canceled mm -hmm. within a week. Everything was gone. And I also am a substitute teacher, um, here. That's my other form of income half the year so and literally in a week all my work just was gone. life changed <laughs> <It was> incredible <laughs> i was like whoa really i'm just gonna sit in my house for the next and at the, i was really lucky and i got i took advantage of all the benefits the small business loans unemployment everything um and so i so i'm fine i was ended up being fine financially and and honestly, people ask like, "Oh, were you? So you must have been so disappointed." And honestly, I was so busy as musicians are, like yeah. just jigsaw puzzling my financial stability together. That um, I was relieved. I was so tired, and my arm had tendonitis, and I hadn't written any new material, and I hadn't practiced, and I was just. It was looming ahead of me, and I, I had to do it because I put so much time into booking it. But honestly, it was, you know, I was so glad to be forced into just oh. resting for a while. <laughs> so it was kind of a relief. It was. To get paid to just take a, a break was uh, was nice. But you could always write, so. Yeah, I can always write and practice and, um, and, and, and just re have some downtime. I yeah. think that... One of the silver linings was people, you know, people spending time with their kids, people going, you know, enjoying time outside together. People, yeah, just stay home. Like, yeah, we're all worried about what's happening, but at the same time, like being forced to just slow down for Americans, especially, um, I think was, was really good. We'll see what happens. I wonder about goofy stats like, 
higher divorces, but more unwanted pregnancies. Oh, I know. Or, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a song in that yeah. a bad one but nevertheless <laughs> you know what i listened to um, just this morning when i got up i was excited i, was, I get to talk to somebody Havel is going to be on the phone <laughs> a high wave oh that's an cool. album and a song right yeah that's the title track of yeah. my last full-length release and that so that's an example of just some more like metaphorical my usual style of, of lyric writing. And that was a song um, that I had written about. I I had kind of an eat, pray, love year. <laughs> I don't know if you have heard of that book. Um, no, I haven't. But I had been teaching. Oh, it's just a, where a woman goes off and, you know, to, to, to Italy and eats. And then she goes off to like Thailand and, does yoga and then anyway, I I had been teaching in <laughs> Eastside Austin middle school for about five years and it really had kicked my butt and so I did. I took a year off and I went off and, you know, got my yoga teaching certification in Thailand. And as I we were leaving, it was the the place where I studied was literally on a beach that you had to take a boat to from a ferry, from a bus, from a train, like on and on. So when I was leaving, I, I had to get on this little boat to get to my ferry and get to my plane and all that. And there's all these Westerners, of course, and we're all, you know, so attached to our our schedule and our appointments. And there, the and the guys were saying, "Oh, we can't, we can't run the boats today because the the waves are too high." And I know everyone's freaking out. And and so there's this one boat, and they're like, "Oh, we'll 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 take you." <laughs> And they're charging, you know, three times the amount of the normal rate because they're the only boat that will will dare to do it. There's the evil Knievel. We're all waiting. We're all waiting. And there's a guy, there's like 10 guys and there's one guy banging on the engine with a two by four. Um, and no one knows what's going on. And so I go ask the lady, one of the ladies that's at their little hub, their little office, What's going on? Oh, they're, they're just, they're changing the oil. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Glad it's done and in so airplane. Sure enough, we all pile, yeah, we pile into this little boat. And sure enough, like the waves are way too high. Like it was so scary. And you're on the African and to queen. Me, the idea was, yeah, it was like, if this is my last day on earth, if I'm going to die today, then this is a good day to die. This is okay. No, it's it sunshine. Sense. I just have this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I got to talk to you. But, um, it plays like this beautiful sunny yeah. day, and I'm getting this really good vibe. And it's a good day to die. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the idea behind it. Is every day should be a day that you would be glad.
said if you died that you'd be like doing something, you know, or not, not having too many regrets or, you know, what, it, what the other cool part of that song was it took me a long time to finish the lyrics. And then one day all, all the lyrics just came out. The last couple of verses just finally came out. And then within minutes of me finishing the song, my mom called me and my uncle had died and he had been um, on top of a roof of an old historic building that he was helping renovate. And he'd been nailing something down on the roof and he got blown off the roof. Oh no! And so he'd fallen off the roof and, and, and it, it, like literally like I had written the lyrics like that day, the rest of the lyrics. And, and they ended up reading those lyrics aloud at his memorial because they were so, there were so many things about the lyrics that were, that connected to the way that he died. And uh, so I'm convinced that my uncle Fred <laughs> helped me finish that song. <laughs> the stars are like, okay, now I found Nostradamus. Tell me what's going to happen in the future. I want to know. Right. God. <laughs> well, write a, write a COVID so. song. That's no fun. Who wants to do that? We don't believe I know. Who wants to? <laughs> Eve of Destruction song. Oh, well, I talked way longer than I was going to with you. So I really appreciate your time. No, thank you. I really appreciate having someone to talk to as well. It's a nice, <laughs> makes me feel like I, I still have a, I still have a career. <laughs> you do. So. Your music's wonderful. Keep it up. And I'm going to let you go here. Thank you so much. Enjoy the day. All right. You too. Take care. All right. Do bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. We're all just trying to make the next day a bit better.